Hi, I'm Jeff Watts, and I wanted to welcome you to the Renaissance Podcast. We are so excited that you have chosen to listen and join with us as we strive to reach the heart of our city with the truth and love of Jesus. And we know that God is doing amazing things in our community, and I am blown away at how many people have told me that Renaissance has provided a place for them to rediscover Jesus. It's given them a caring church family to be a part of, and has helped to transform their lives. If you're one of the men and women who have been encouraged, helped, and strengthened because of what's happening here at Renaissance, then I'd like to ask you to become an investor in what God is doing in our city. And here's one way that you can do that. Go to rendicatororg backslash give and make a commitment to be a part of showing the people of the city of Decatur the truth of Jesus and how much he loves them. Enjoy the podcast and thank you so much for being a part of this community. Welcome to Renaissance. My name is Joe and I'm one of the leaders here and we are so glad that you're here on the first Sunday of 2019. That's exciting. A lot of excitement from you. I can feel it. Wow. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, we're really excited that you're here on the first Sunday of 2019 because we think there's no greater way to build a foundation for your year than by being at church. It's a wonderful place where we come for for an hour and 15 minutes or so. While we're here, all we're going to do is focus on God. We're going to turn our attention towards him. What better way to start our year than by focusing all our attention on to him. We also think it's a great thing to do to be in church the first Sunday of the year because it's our hope that this will help build some community with everyone. We hope that maybe you'll want to join a Ren group. Maybe you'll want to start a Ren group. Maybe you'll want to start serving and make some friends there. Maybe you'll actually talk to the person you've been sitting next to for a year and you still don't know their name. Maybe you'll give that a try. This is what we hope that will happen every Sunday because we believe that that in order to grow in our relationship with God, it's necessary that we have more than just this hour and 15 minutes on Sunday. We need each other through the week. We need to be growing with one another outside of what happens today. And we also think it's really good that you would come here on the first Sunday of the year because every Sunday we do something. We open the Bible and we study it together. We do this over and over and over again, and we do this for a specific purpose. It's because we want to know about who Jesus is, and there's no better way for us to do that than by opening up the Bible. Last week, we learned from the story of a couple of friends of Jesus, two ladies named Mary and Martha, that that sometimes there are different ways we can relate to who God is. We We can either serve him with everything that we have, much like Martha did, Or we can sit with Jesus and listen to his teaching, much like her sister Mary did. And what we learned last week is that neither of those are necessarily bad, but some of us are better at one than we are the other. Some of us are really, really good at serving and being full of activity and doing lots of things, but we find it really hard to stop and pause and rest and sit with Jesus and listen to him. The rest of us are just really good at sitting around and doing nothing. That's what those of us who like to serve say about that. But, but what maybe you need to learn is that there's some point where you can grow in your relationship with God by actually serving him and finding a way to do that. And Pastor Jeff helped us to see those things by looking at, at if we can grow either by serving Jesus more or sitting with Jesus more, whichever one he would be pulling us towards, we can actually experience spiritual growth. 
We can experience spiritual maturity, and that is what we want in 2019. And in telling us those things, Pastor Jeff shared with us several of the goals that he has for this year, some of which being to read the Bible more and to pray more. And as he was sharing those goals with us to to explain to us what he's trying to do to set him up for spiritual growth and maturity in 2019, I was sitting right there and I thought to myself, well, I want to share my goals with everybody too. So that's what I'm going to do tonight. I want to tell you about some of the things that I want to do this year to try and grow as a person. I want to tell you a little bit about what I want to try to do to grow as a follower of Jesus. What can I do to grow as a leader in the church? What can I do to grow as a friend? What can I do to grow in all of my life? And Pastor Jeff has been challenging the staff here at the church to think about these things. What do we need to do to grow in 2019? I've been praying about some of these things for the past few weeks. I've been asking God, God, what are the areas I need to improve in? And the list was vast. There are a lot of areas I need to improve in. And so I've narrowed it down to seven areas of my life that I can improve in. And and I've set some goals in my life that I want to accomplish by the end of the year. Some of them are personal and just for me. Some of them will affect the way that I relate to other people, but they're all pretty important to me. One of them is this. I want to read 35 books this year. I've set a goal to do that because I know that I need to gain more knowledge and more wisdom. And as I was telling Pastor Jeff this, he reminded me of a king in the Bible whose name was Solomon, who when he was young, he was thrust into a position of leadership. And when he was placed into that position of leadership, God said to him, I will give you anything that you ask from me. And Solomon could have asked for riches. He could have asked for fame. He could have asked for good looks. I don't need to do that, thankfully. Why are you laughing? But what did he ask for from God? God said, I'll give you anything you ask for. Solomon said, I want wisdom. I'm I'm young. I don't know what I'm doing. If I'm going to lead your people, I need wisdom. And that's a place where I realize I'm at in my life. I don't know what I'm doing. And so I need wisdom and knowledge. And the path that is before me to do that is by reading and filling myself with wisdom and knowledge and taking in as much as I can. So that's a goal that I have for myself this year. Another goal that I have this year is a a little more personal. I want to run a 5K at some point. Now, about eight years ago, I was running three to five miles, five or six days a week. I was in pretty good shape. I'd gotten my 5K down to about 20 or 21 minutes, which is decent for a 5K. A couple weeks ago, I got out and tried to run, and in 20 minutes, I ran half a mile. So I've got a long way to go before I get to that 5K. But here's what I know about this. If I want to reach that goal If I want to crush that 5K sometime this year, I have to take other steps before I get to it. If I don't do other things to get me to that goal, that goal is just a dream that will fade away at some point. And so if I'm going to accomplish a 5K this year, some of the things I have to do are this. I've got to make sure I get to the gym at least three days a week. I've got to run. I've got to train. I've got to say no to sweets. I've got to say no to gravy. I've got to say... No to some things so I can say yes to something greater later on in this year. 
Another goal that I have for myself this year is I want to increase what I have in my savings account. And similarly to running that 5K, if I want to accomplish that goal, I've got to say no to some things this year. I've got to say no to some frivolous purchases that I want to make so I can say yes to something greater at a later time. If I don't take steps now to accomplish my goals, they will not get accomplished. You can't wish them into fruition. Another goal that I have this year that I'd love to accomplish, and it's pretty important to me. In fact, it might be the most important goal that I have this year. It's to convince Pastor Jeff to begin curling his mustache at the edges. And so we're starting a hashtag campaign on social media, Curl That Mustache Jeff. I've been talking to him about this for three weeks now, and I am seriously trying to get him to curl that mustache. I just think it will look really really good for him, don't you? You guys are not helping me out here. He's somewhere in the building and wants to hear encouragement for that curled mustache. Amen. He needs to curl that mustache. That's a goal I have this year. It's not my most important one, though. The most important goal that I have this year, in fact, if I don't accomplish my most important goal, every other goal I have is actually worthless. If I can't accomplish this most important thing, it, I might as well not even try on anything else. If, if I can't follow through with my most important goal, everything else might as well fall by the wayside. And that is this, I, I want to know God more than I ever have before. I want to grow in my knowledge of who Jesus is. I want to understand his love more than I ever have before. I want to understand how he loves other people more than I ever have before. And if I can't accomplish that, if I can't know God better on the first Sunday of 2020, then everything else I accomplished in 2019 is rubbish. It's worthless. It's fit for the garbage pile because nothing lasts forever but my relationship with Jesus. And if I can't know more about him than everything else, means nothing to me. I always like to imagine whenever I'm sharing a little bit of something I'm working through that, that other people in the room are probably thinking the same or similar thing. I imagine that some of you are thinking the same thing. You have goals, you have things you want to accomplish this year, but you realize that if you don't know God more by the end of the year, nothing else matters to you. Maybe it's true that some of you have no goals at all, and that's okay. And maybe you're beginning to ponder and consider, perhaps I should make it a goal of mine to want to know God more than I ever have before. Well, we're not alone in that thinking. We're, we're not alone in considering that the most important thing in our lives would be to know who God is. We can read of Christians through the centuries having that same desire, and in fact, we read about it in the Bible. A man named Paul, we call him the Apostle Paul, he wrote most of the New Testament. He's writing a letter to a group of his friends that we call the book of Philippians. You can go ahead and turn there if you have a Bible with you to Philippians chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible with you, you can find one underneath a seat around you. On page 981, you'll find Philippians 3, and we'll also put the words up on the screen here for you. But this man, the Apostle Paul, was someone who had achieved a greater status in his religion, the Jewish religion, than anyone else had, perhaps ever. He had an impressive 
pedigree as far as his religious acumen went. His obedience to the rules and traditions of Judaism were second to none. He was brought up under the tutelage of one of the greatest rabbis of his time. He was born into a prestigious tribe of Israel. It was a big deal for him to be who he was, so much so that he opposed people who believed in Jesus. His zeal for his religion was so great that he would arrest Christians and even stand by while some of them were being executed, approving of their execution simply because they had faith in Jesus. And one day he's on his way to a city called Damascus to attempt to arrest Christians, to to try to have some of them executed. And while he's on his way there, Jesus appears to him and pushes him off his horse and shines a flashlight in his eyes. And he says, why are you persecuting me? And Paul's like, who are you? It's a fitting question for a guy who knocks you off your horse. Who are you? And Jesus says, I'm Jesus. You're actually persecuting me. The Bible tells us he was blinded for three days. And after three days, a man named Ananias came to him and revealed to him that Jesus actually wanted to use him to change the world. And that changed Paul's life. And he began to teach and preach about Jesus. He began to establish churches. He began to write letters to many other churches. He has shaped and influenced Christian theology more than any other person. And he realized that everything else he'd accomplished in his life before knowing Christ was worthless. All of the status that he'd gained in his religion, all of the all of the the luster that he'd earned by building up himself as the the wonderful religious person that he was, he had to cast aside when he chose to follow Jesus. And he tells a little bit of this story to his friends in the book of Philippians. Chapter three, verse four says this, I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh. I can boast about the things that I've done. He says, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. There's nobody else better than I am at being a good Jew. He says in verse five, he says, I was circumcised on the eighth day. This was a ritual of his people. He says, I'm of the people of Israel. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, I was a Pharisee. That's a, a religious party that existed in Jerusalem that, that conservatively followed all of the traditions of the law. He says, I was a Pharisee. My zeal was so great, I persecuted the church. And the righteousness that was under the law, all of the thou shouts, all of the thou shalt nots, I followed them all. I was blameless. But whatever gain I had, he says in verse seven, I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. And here's why. He says, I want to know him. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. And I want to share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his 
death. The apostle Paul said, everything else that I built up in my life, everything else that I earned, everything that I gained, all of my success faded away when I met Jesus. And now the only thing that matters to me is knowing more about who he is. And I believe this is God's greatest desire for each of us, that we would want to know him more. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. Before we look into this passage any further, though, I want to pause and stop and ask God to help us understand. Would you pray with me to do that? Lord, we are so thankful that you have given us the Bible as a record of how you deal with people, given us the Bible as a, a picture of, of how you love us through your son, Jesus. I pray as we study it tonight that you'd speak to us. I pray that you would speak to us, that you would change our hearts where we need to be changed. I pray that you would encourage those of us who need to be encouraged, that you would challenge those of us who need to be challenged. And all of it, Lord, I pray that you would help us to see there's nothing greater in all the world than knowing you. In Jesus' name, amen. I can count on one finger the amount of times I have lost my car keys. I am always, everywhere I go, checking to make sure that I have my phone, my keys, my wallet. Everywhere I go, I'm constantly, you may have seen me do this sometimes and not realize that's what I'm doing, but sometimes while it looks like I'm listening to you when you're talking to me, I'm actually checking for my phone, my keys, and my wallet. Maybe that's some kind of neuroses, but I'm always afraid that I'm gonna lose my keys somewhere. So I have my car key on a separate chain from all of my other keys so that I can't lose them all if I were to lose some. But I've got a pretty good track record so far. Well, one day this summer, I pull up to the church on a Saturday to run in and grab something because I'd left something here at the office. And I, I turn my car off and I lock the door. I take my keys with me to get into the building and I grab what I wanted to get. And as I'm coming out, I go to grab my key, my car key and unlock my car and I can't find it. It is not on my person which is startling because it always is. And so I run back inside and I, I'm looking everywhere for it. Did I leave it on my desk? It's not on my desk. Did I leave it on our kitchen table? It's not on the kitchen table. I go everywhere I went. The last thing I imagine is that I've locked it in my car because I don't do that. And in fact, I love to make fun of people who do. So I don't lose my keys, but guess what? I go out to my car and I look in the window and there's my car key sitting in the cup holder. What kind of idiot turns his car off and puts his car key in his cup holder? This kind of idiot does that. And I'm freaking out. I'm like, oh no, I've lost my keys. And so I run through all kinds of scenarios in my mind. Like, well, what, what am I going to have to do about this? Am I going to have to call a locksmith? That's a, that's a bill I don't want to pay for. Am I going to have to call somebody to come and give me a ride and admit that I actually lost my key or locked it in the car. I don't want to do these things. I felt really nervous and shameful about that. And to be honest, thankfully, I'd left my window open a little bit. So I was able to break into my own car and get my key out. But that moment of having lost my keys was so startling to me. 
It was, it was so shaking and rattling to me because I, I didn't want to admit to anyone else that I'd lost my keys because that's a sense of pride I have. I never lose my keys, as though that's some kind of special thing. I don't really have much else going for me. So I, I, never, I never lose my keys, okay? And I didn't want to admit that to anyone, that, I, that I'd lost my keys. And when I read this where Paul says, oh, those things that were gain for me, I counted them as loss. I thought of that, that loss of my keys. But this word here that he uses, loss, is not the same kind of loss that happens when we lose something. See, see, I lost my, my key, but I was able to go find it. When we lose our keys, when we lose an item, we're able to go find it where we left it. It's usually retrievable at some point. This is not the kind of loss Paul is talking about here. He's speaking of a loss where he says, I didn't lose all of this stuff that I'd earned for Christ only to be able to look back and at some point go pick it all up again. I lost it and it's completely gone. It carries more with it the idea of when you've been in a fender bender and the insurance company says it's a total loss. You're not getting that baby back. I've had two vehicles that were damaged in automobile accidents that my insurance company said total loss, neither of which I was driving at the time. Needless to say, none of you will ever drive my car. <laughs> I have poor luck with other people driving my car. And the first one that this happened to was my Jeep Wrangler. You can say, oh. I loved that Jeep Wrangler. It is so much fun to drive. Did you know you can take the top off? Did you know you can pop the doors off? And if it's summertime, it is the best thing to drive in because you could take the doors and the top off. If it's wintertime, it's the best thing to drive in. You could go over snow at 60 miles an hour and it doesn't even care. It is the greatest car I'd ever had. And better than that, what I realized was that if you own a Jeep Wrangler, other people who own Jeep Wranglers welcome you into a community. The first week I have this car, I'm driving down Oakland Street. I remember it like it was yesterday. And a lady in another Jeep Wrangler goes by and she waves at me and I waved at her and I'm like, well, I don't recognize her. I don't know who that is. That's weird. And then it dawns on me, oh my goodness, I've been invited into a club I didn't know existed. And I cried. It was beautiful. And then sometime later, a friend of mine who knew how cool it was to drive that Jeep Wrangler said, can I drive the Jeep? And with trembling hands, I handed the keys over and let them drive. And then someone chose to run a stop sign and total my Jeep. It was a terrible loss that I experienced. I decided, though, in that loss that uh, if I'm going to move on from this, I should probably think of something that gets better gas mileage. So I upgraded to a Ford Focus. And <laughs> I, I had a Ford Focus after that, which got much better gas mileage than the Jeep did. And about six months later, another friend needed to borrow my car. With trembling hands, I handed them the keys and get a call about half an hour later, I've been rear-ended and that made me rear-end someone else and my insurance company says, this is a total loss. See, in the midst of all of that and all the, the pain that I experienced, the loss of my Jeep Wrangler that was so precious to me, the, the, the loss of 
my Ford Focus and having to deal with the insurance company. And the difficulty of all of it, I see that even though there was loss and pain and hardship and sorrow that took place, there was a light and some benefit in each one. You see, moving on from the Jeep Wrangler, I was able to actually get something that was more economical. Moving on from the Ford Focus, I was actually able to get something that wasn't a Ford Focus. And, and, <laughs> and each time I got something that in one way or another was a little bit better than the one before. And this is what Paul is saying here. He's like, everything that I'd lost, everything that's gone, everything I've had to write off that's behind me, I'm never getting it back. And that is okay because of the surpassing worth in verse eight of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I don't care what has fallen off of my life if I get to know more about who God is. He says, for his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and I count them as rubbish. This word rubbish carries with it the idea of a plate that when we're finished eating, we let the dog lick off what's left before we put it in the dishwasher. It's, it's not fit for human consumption anymore. It's, it's nothing that can sustain us. It's nothing that can nourish us. It's nothing that can help us. It's garbage now. He says, everything that was important to me before is rubbish now compared to knowing Christ. I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. And this is a message that if you're at Renaissance for any extended period of time, you will hear on repeat that there is nothing we can do to earn God's love. There is nothing we can do to earn God's favor. There's nothing we can do to earn God's blessing. We already have it through our faith in his son, Jesus. He has given us all of his righteousness through his righteous son, Jesus. And there's no goodness, there's no righteousness, there's no works of our own that we can prop ourselves up on that matters, that will last, that will sustain us. But that which will is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He says, I want to be found in him, not, not depending on my own righteousness. You see, those of us who set resolutions for the year and goals, so often we think if we can accomplish those things that our lives will change and our lives will get better and everything will finally be in place. But what is so easy to miss is that if we're depending on all of that in our own strength, we'll quickly be disappointed we'll quickly find a way to fail. We'll, we'll quickly find a way to slip up. I can imagine that most, if not all of us in this room are gonna fail one of our resolutions, our goals. I'm just gonna call it now. I'm not going to accomplish the, the Jeff's mustache curl thing. There's a factor I didn't mention. Her name is Stacy. And <laughs> that mustache curl is probably not going to happen. I've got to give in to that now so I'm not disappointed later. But we find ourselves setting our lives up on these goals and these resolutions and these desires, hoping that they'll finally fix everything and make everything right. But it's so easy to fall into the trap of compromise. 
told myself I wanted to run a 5K this year. And I said, if I'm going to do that, I've got to get into the gym the first week of January. And I have not been yet because I'm compromising. I make excuses. I'll stay in bed a little bit longer and I'll go this afternoon. And afternoon comes and I'll go get dinner instead of going to the gym. I find ways to get out of it because compromise is so easy. And if we set our lives upon all that we can accomplish, our own righteousness, pretty soon when we compromise, we'll become incredibly disappointed and discouraged. The other thing that trips us up with our goals, the other trap we can fall into is a trap of comparison. I want to run a 5K, but what if one of you wants to run a marathon, you freak? (laughs) It would be really easy for me to say, well, if if I'm only going to run a 5K and you're going to run a marathon, uh, my life isn't as good as yours. There's no way I can do that, not just because I don't want to take the time to train, but I would never want to do that kind of a thing. So I could say easily, if if I'm not doing as much as you are, I'm obviously not as good at that as you are, so why should I even try because I'm not going to be able to do what you can and we compare ourselves against each other and quickly fall into discouragement because the things I want to do are not the same as the things you want to do and the things God would call me to do are not necessarily the thing same things God would call you to do and he meets us all at different points of our journey and he says follow me here and if I compare my journey with someone else's journey it's so easy for me to get discouraged when I'm not measuring up to what other people can do. Paul says this is the danger of setting the hope of our lives on our own righteousness, on our own ability to accomplish anything. He says, I don't want that. I want to be found in him, not not having a righteousness that is my own, but the righteousness that comes from God. I, I want his work in me to accomplish all the good works he wants me to do. I, I want his power in me to help me. In verse 10, he says, why? It's, he says, I want to know him. I just want to know him more, Paul says. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. This power that rose Jesus from the dead, this, this miraculous event where Jesus had been crucified and he was laid in a tomb and for three days his corpse laid in that tomb. And then the Holy Spirit snuck into that grave and entered his body and pulled him out of the tomb and rose him from the dead. And the Bible tells us that this power of Christ's resurrection actually lives within each of us who believe in him. And Paul says, I want to know more about what that's like. I want to know more about this newness of life. And it's so easy for us at the beginning of a year to say, this is my time for a fresh start. New year, new me. New beginnings. Things are going to be new this year. And it's really easy to say, yes, God's going to to raise some things in my life. He's going to bring that resurrection power into my life. But the thing about a resurrection is something has to die first. There can't be a resurrection without a death before. Some of us are trying to to drag the bitterness of 2018 with us into 2019. Some of us are trying to drag the pains of 2018 into 2019. Unforgiveness, we're trying to drag it with us into this year. As I'm preparing for this and praying over this this morning, sitting 
next door in our offices, I'm confronted with the fact that I, I want to tell all of us that, that we need to not drag things from 2018 into 2019 with us. And I'm going through my mind of some regrets that I have over decisions that I made and over words that I spoke. And I'm bringing these with me into the new year. And I just hear God say, let them go. Let them die. If we want to experience the newness of his life, we have to let go of the dead things. But for some reason, we love to grab those corpses and drag them along with us. And Paul says, I don't want that. I want to know the power of his resurrection where I don't take dead things with me into new places. He says, I want to know the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, letting these things die in me. Letting what Jesus put to death on the cross go. He goes on to say in verse 12, this very encouraging, it's encouraging to me phrase. He says, I have not already obtained this and I'm not already perfect. If that's not encouraging for us, I don't know what is. The apostle Paul says, I'm not already perfect. When I, when I take account of my life, that is, that is what I scream over myself. I'm not perfect. I bet most of you do the same. Not about me, but about, about yourselves. I'm not perfect, Paul says, but here's what I do. I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. He says, I want to know him, not, not because I want him to love me more, because he already loves me as much as he possibly can. He says, I want to know him, not because I want him to be more pleased with me, because he's already as pleased with me as he possibly can be because of Jesus. He says, I want to know him because he has made me his own. I'm his. He loves me. So I want to understand that love so I can love him better. I want to understand his love for others so I can love him better. I want to know him because he has made me his own. He says, I do not consider that I've made it my own. But here's one thing I do. I forget what lies behind. I don't bring the old into the new year with me. And I just strain forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. God's greatest desire for each of us is that the supreme goal we all have for our lives is to know him. That's what he wants, is that we would know him. He wants a relationship with us. He, he wants to, to understand him better, and that is what he's calling all of us to. And so if we're going to, to accomplish this goal, there have to be steps to take to get there, right? There have to be things we can do to help us know him better, to help us understand him more, just like any other goal we want to accomplish. And I know that this room is full of different people, and, and for each of us, there may be a different path to knowing God more, but I'll just share with you that which works for me and that which I've committed myself to for this year, and that is I have to read the Bible more than I ever have before. If I'm going to know God more on the first Sunday of 2020 than I do today, I have to read the Bible more than I ever have before. 
This is where we get information about his son, Jesus. This is how we learn about who he is by looking in the pages of this book. This is what will help me grow. This is what will help me mature. And so I wanna place that before all of us that perhaps this is the same thing that will help all of us grow and mature and know God more if we give ourselves to reading the Bible. Some of us find hurdles and obstacles to doing that. One of them is this, is that we, we open up the Bible and we find that the Bible is really hard to read sometimes and, and hard to understand. I've had people come to me and, and say, it's hard for me to read the Bible because there are so many things in it I don't understand. And when I come to something I don't understand, I get caught up there and I give up. And I just wanna say this, there are so many things in the Bible that I don't understand. There's so many things in the Bible that Pastor Jeff doesn't understand. There are so many things in the Bible that the smartest Christians I know don't understand. None of us will understand all of the things in the Bible. But I can say this, we will understand some things. There will be some things that we do understand, and those things will mean so much to us. Those things that I do understand mean so much to me, and they're life-altering, and they're life shaping and their life changing for me when I am able to understand those things. Will I understand it all? Of course not. Will you understand it all? No, but you will understand some of it. So just read it. Just read it. And, and read it every day. And here's why I say that. And I, and I, and I I'll do this. I'll, I'll step away because the Bible nowhere says, thou shalt read the Bible every day. The Bible nowhere says that. But but I can't help but think of it like this. I, 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 don't, I don't miss a meal. <laughs> Hallelujah. I don't miss a meal, okay? And if I'm not gonna miss a meal, if I'm going to nourish and sustain my body with physical food, don't I want to nourish and sustain my spirit with God's spiritual food that is found in the pages of the Bible? I need it every day. Another reason I need it every day is because I have a really bad memory and I need to be reminded over and over and over again that he's with me, that he's near, that he's present, that he loves me. And I'm reminded of this every time I pick up the Bible. I need it every day because I need him to feed me with it every day. I need it every day because I forget so easily. So read the Bible and read it every day and make a plan to do so. It's so easy to find a plan to read the Bible. With the Bible app, they'll even text you to tell you, hey, it's time to read the Bible, and if you click this link, we'll open it up to the passage you need to read today. It's so easy for us lazy Americans to read the Bible. If you don't wanna use the Bible app, you can ask Siri if she'll cooperate with you. What's a good Bible reading plan for this year? It's not too late to do that, but read the Bible. Read it every day and make a plan to do it, and in doing so, in doing so, I believe we will grow in our knowledge and our understanding of who God is. If, if that's what we want our greatest goal to be, is to know him more, reading the Bible will help us get there. I believe that with all my heart. 
The band is going to be returning in a few moments. And when they do, we're going to begin to sing and worship God some more. And during that time, I always like to consider this, that maybe we would pause and ask God, what are some of the things that were spoken tonight that I need to think about? What are some things that you've said to me in this, God, that that you want to work on me about? And we'll take 15 minutes. It's just 15 minutes. And while we're here, we might as well think about them. Lord, what are some some goals that I've set that that you want to be a part of? Lord, maybe I haven't even considered you at all in my goal setting this year. Maybe you need to be the first thing. Maybe you have nothing that you're looking forward to. Maybe you feel so lost and you have no hope for the future. You can ask God to show you the truth of his son, Jesus. You can say to him, Lord, help me to know you. Give me, give me hope. Give me life. That's what he wants for us. He wants us to know him. Would you pray with me? Lord, we are so, so grateful that you don't give up on us. You don't give up on us when we fail. You don't give up on us when we, when we miss it. And you don't give up on us when we, uh, when we set goals and make plans that are outside of your wishes even. But you're always with us. Your love never fails us. It never leaves us. Lord, I thank you that we can come to you with all of the things we want to accomplish, all the things we want to do, all the hopes and the dreams and the wishes that we have, and we can lay them before you. And and we can look into your face and we can see your great love and care for us. and, And in that moment, realize that nothing else matters. And nothing else but knowing you matters. Lord, I pray as we focus our attention on you tonight, as we worship you, that you would help each of us to see that nothing else matters but knowing you. Lord, show us that tonight like never before. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Together we can reach the heart of Decatur. And if you'd like to be a part of that, go to rendicator.org backslash give and make a commitment to be a part of showing the people of the city of Decatur the truth of Jesus and how much he loves them.